Bug Jargal by Victor Hugo, Chapter 22 The evening of the third day we entered the ravines of Grande Riviere. We calculated that the Negro army was some twenty leagues off in the mountains. We pitched our camp on a low hill, which appears to have served them the same purpose from the manner in which they had dismantled it. This position was not judicious. It is true that we were undisturbed. The hill was commanded on all sides by perpendicular rocks covered with thick forests. The steepness of this cliff had given to this place the name of the Dompte Moulatre. The Grande Riviere flowed behind our camp. Confined between steep banks, it was in this place narrow and deep. The steeply inclined banks bristled with clumps of bushes through which nothing could be seen. The waters of the stream itself were frequently concealed by garlands of lianas, which crossed to the maple branches, to red flowers sown among the bushes, mingling the shoots of one bank with the other, and recrossing it in a thousand ways, forming on the stream a network of verdure. From the heights of the adjacent hills they appeared like meadows, still fresh with dew. A dull sound, or sometimes a wild teal suddenly plunged through the flower-decked curtain, alone showing the course of the river. The sun soon ceased to gild the crested peaks of the distant mountains of Dandon. Little by little, darkness spread over the camp, and the silence was only broken by the cry of the crane, or by the measured tread of the sentinels. Suddenly, the dreaded war-song of Ouanassé and of Comte de Grand Pré were heard above our heads. The palms, the acamas, and the cedars, which crowned the rocks, burst into flames, and the lurid light of the conflagration showed us on the neighboring hills numerous bands of negroes and mulattoes, whose copper-hued skins glowed red in the firelight. It was the army of Biasu. The danger was imminent. The officers, roused from their sleep, endeavored to rally their soldiers. The drum beat to arms the general assembly. The bugles sounded the alarm. Our lines we formed in confusion, and the insurgents, instead of taking advantage of our disorder, remained motionless, gazing upon us and singing Uanase. A gigantic negro appeared alone on one of the most elevated peaks that overhung the Grande Riviere. A flame-colored plume floated on his head. An axe was in his right hand, a red flag in his left. I recognized Pierrot. Had a carbine been within my reach, my rage would have, perhaps, made me commit a cowardly act. The Negro repeated the chorus of Uanase, planted his flag on the peak, hurled his axe into the midst of our ranks, and plunged into the stream. A feeling of regret arose within me, for I hoped to have slain him with my own hand. Then the Negroes began to hurl huge masses of rocks upon us. A shower of bullets and arrows fell on the hill. Our soldiers, maddened at being unable to reach their adversaries, died in despair, crushed by the rocks, riddled with bullets, or pierced by arrows. Terrible confusion reigned in the army. Suddenly, a terrible noise came from the middle of the Grande Riviere. An extraordinary scene presented itself there. The yellow dragoons, who had suffered most from the shower of rocks that the insurgents had pushed over the mountains, 
had conceived the idea of taking refuge to escape under the thick roof of creepers which grew over the river. Thaddeus was the first to discover this very ingenious place. Here the narrative was suddenly interrupted. 